Chapter 5 Herod and John the Baptist Dealing with Sin If someone had told me a few years ago that he thought Herod was once near the kingdom of God, I would have been inclined to doubt it. I would have said, I do not believe that the bloodthirsty wretch who took the life of John the Baptist ever had a serious thought in his life about his soul's welfare. I held that opinion because there is one scene recorded in Herod's life that I had overlooked. But some years ago, when I was making a careful study of the Gospel of Mark, I found this verse. Herod feared John, knowing that he was a just man and holy man, and respected him. And when he heard him, he did many things and heard him gladly. Mark chapter 6, verse 20. This caused me to change my views about Herod. I saw that he was not only brought within the sound of John's voice, but under the power of the Spirit of God. His heart was touched and his conscience awakened. We are not told under what circumstances he heard John, but the narrative plainly states that he was brought under the influence of the Baptist's wonderful ministry. Let me first say a word or two about the preacher John. I contend that John the Baptist must have been one of the most impressive preachers this world has ever had. Almost any man can get a hearing today in a town or a city where the people live close together, especially if he speaks in a fine building with a splendid choir and meetings that have been advertised and worked up for weeks or months beforehand. In such circumstances, any man who has a gift for speaking will get a good audience. But it was very different with John. He drew the people out of the towns and cities and into the wilderness. There were no ministers to back him, no businessmen interested in Christ's cause to work with him, and no newspaper reporters to write down his sermons and send them out. He was an unknown man without any title to his name. He was not the right reverend John the Baptist D.D. or anything like that, but plain John the Baptist. When the people inquired of him whether he was Elijah or Jeremiah come back to life, he said he was not. Who are you then? I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Mark chapter 1 verse 3. He was nothing but a voice, to be heard and not seen. He was Mr. Nobody. He regarded himself as a messenger who had received his commission from the eternal world. We are not told how he began his ministry or how he gathered the crowds together. I can imagine that one day this strange man made his appearance in the valley of the Jordan where he found a few shepherds tending their flocks. They brought their scattered sheep together and the man preached to these shepherds. He told them that the kingdom of heaven was about to be set up on the earth, and he urged them to set their houses in order, to repent and turn from their sins. After he delivered his message, he might have told them that he would come back the next day and speak again. When he had disappeared into the desert, I can suppose one of the shepherds saying to another, Wasn't he a strange man? Did you ever hear anyone speak like that? He did not talk as the rabbis or the Pharisees or the Sadducees do. I really think he must be one of the old prophets. Did you notice that his coat was made of camel's hair and that he had a leather girdle around his loins? Don't the scriptures say that Elijah was clothed like that? Another shepherd might have said, do you remember how Malachi said that before the great and dreadful day of the Lord, Elijah would come? I really believe this man is the old prophet of Carmel. Malachi chapter 4 verse 5. What could stir the heart of the Jewish people more than the name of Elijah? Word of John's appearance spread up and down the Jordan Valley, 
and when he returned the next day, there was great excitement and expectation as the people listened to the strange preacher. Perhaps until Christ came, John only preached from that one text. Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Matthew chapter 3 verse 2. Day after day you could hear his voice ringing through the valley, Repent! 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 The king is at the door. I do not know the day or the hour, but he will be here very soon. Soon some of the people who flocked to hear him wanted to be baptized, and he took them to the Jordan and baptized them. The news spread to the surrounding villages and towns, and before long it reached Jerusalem. Then the people of the city flocked to the desert to hear this prince among preachers. His fame reached Galilee, and the people in the mountains flocked down to hear him. Men left their fishing boats on the lake so they could listen to this wonderful preacher. When he was in the peak of his popularity, he may have had as many as twenty or thirty thousand people flock to his ministry day after day. No doubt there were some old grumblers who said it was all sensation. Catch me there? No, sir. I never did like sensational preaching. Just like today, when any special effort is made to reach the people, some will say, much harm will be done. I wish all these grumblers had died out with that generation in Judea, but we still have plenty of their descendants around. I venture to say you have met them. Why, my dear friends, there is more excitement in your whiskey shops and beer saloons in one night than in all the churches put together in twelve months. What a stir there must have been in Israel under the preaching of John the Baptist and then of Christ. The whole country reeled and rocked with intense excitement. Don't be afraid of a little excitement in religious matters. It won't hurt. One might have heard those old Pharisees and scribes grumbling about John being such a sensational preacher, saying, It won't last. And when Herod had John the Baptist beheaded, they would say, Didn't I tell you so? We must not be in a hurry to pass judgment. John the Baptist lives today more than he ever did. His voice still rings throughout the world. He only preached a few months, but for more than nineteen hundred years his sermons have been repeated and multiplied, and the power of his words will never die as long as the world lasts. I can imagine that when John was at the height of his popularity, as Herod sat in his palace in Jerusalem looking toward the Jordan Valley, he could see great crowds of people passing day after day. He began to ask what it meant, and the news came to him about this strange and powerful preacher. Perhaps someone reported that John was preaching treason, telling of a king who was at hand getting ready to set up his kingdom. A king at hand? If Caesar were coming, I should have heard about it. There is no king but Caesar. I must look into the matter. I will go down to the Jordan and hear this man for myself. So one day, as John stood preaching, with the eyes of the whole audience upon him, the people being swayed by his eloquence like treetops when the wind passes over them, all at once he lost their attention. All eyes were suddenly turned in the direction of the city. Someone might have cried, Look! Look! Herod is coming! Soon the whole congregation knew it, and there was great excitement. I believe he will stop this preaching, said another. If they had been like some of the compromising weak-kneed Christians we sometimes meet, they would have said to John, Don't talk about a coming king. Herod won't stand for it. Talk about repentance, but any talk about a coming king will be high treason in the ears of Herod. I think if anyone had dared to give John such counsel, John would have replied, 
I have received my message from heaven. What do I care for Herod or anyone else? As he stood thundering away and calling on the people to repent, I can imagine Herod, with his guard of soldiers around him listening attentively to find anything in the preacher's words that he could lay hold of. At last John said, The king is now at the door. He will set up his kingdom and will separate the wheat from the chaff. I can imagine Herod then saying to himself, I will have that man's head off within twenty-four hours. I would arrest him here and now if I dared. I will catch him tomorrow before the crowd gathers. As Herod listened, some of the people might have begun to press close to the preacher and question him. Some soldiers among them asked John, What shall we do? John answered, Oppress no one, neither accuse anyone falsely, and be content with your wages. Luke chapter 3 verse 14. That is pretty good advice, Herod may have thought. I have had a good deal of trouble with these men, but if they follow the preacher's advice, it will make them better soldiers. Then he heard the publicans ask John as they came to be baptized, What shall we do? Luke chapter 3 verse 12. John told them, Exact no more than that which is appointed you. Luke chapter 3 verse 13. Well, Herod may have said, that is excellent advice. These publicans are always overtaxing the people. If they would do as the preacher tells them, the people would be more content. Then the preacher addressed the Pharisees and the Sadducees in the crowd, crying out, O generation of vipers, who taught you to flee from the wrath to come? Bring forth therefore fruits worthy of repentance. Matthew chapter 3 verses 7 through 8. Herod may have said to himself, I like that. I am glad he is giving it pretty strong to these men. I don't think I will have him arrested just yet. So he went back to his palace. I can imagine he was not able to sleep much that night. He kept thinking of what he had heard. When the Holy Spirit is dealing with a man's conscience, that person often cannot sleep. Herod probably could not get this wilderness preacher and his message out of his mind. The truth had reached his soul. It echoed and re-echoed within him. Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Maybe, he said, I went out today to hear on behalf of the Roman government. I think I will go tomorrow and hear for myself. He might have gone back again and again. My text says that he heard him gladly, that he observed him and feared him, knowing that he was a just and holy man. He must have known down in his heart that John was a heaven-sent messenger. If you had gone into the palace in those days, you might have heard Herod talking of nobody but John the Baptist. He would say to his associates, Have you been out to the desert to hear this strange preacher? No, have you? Yes. What, you, the Roman governor, going to hear this unordained preacher? Yes, I've been there quite often. I would rather hear him than any man I ever knew. He doesn't talk like the regular preachers. I never heard anyone who had such influence over me. You would have thought that Herod was a very hopeful subject. He did many things. Perhaps Herod stopped swearing. He may have stopped gambling and getting drunk. A wonderful change seemed to have passed over him. Perhaps he ceased from taking bribes for a while. We catch him at it afterwards, but maybe he temporarily refrained from it. He became quite virtuous in certain areas. It really looked as if he were near the kingdom of heaven. I can imagine that one day, as John stood preaching, the truth was reaching the hearts and consciences of the people, and the powers of another world was falling upon them. 
One of John's disciples stood near Herod's chariot and saw the tears in the eyes of the Roman governor. At the close of the service, that disciple went to John and said, I stood close to Herod today, and no one seemed more impressed. I could see the tears coming, and he had to brush them away to keep them from falling. Have you ever seen a man in a religious meeting try to keep the tears back? You notice that his forehead seemed to itch, and he puts his hand up. You might know what it means. He wants to conceal the fact that the tears are there. He thinks it is a weakness, but it is not. Some people foolishly think that it is not a weakness to get drunk and abuse their families, but that it is weakness to shed tears. So this disciple of John may have noticed that Herod put his hand to his brow a number of times, not wanting his soldiers or those standing near to observe that he was weeping. The disciple said to John, It looks as if he is coming near the kingdom. I believe you will have him as an inquirer very soon. When a man enjoys hearing such a preacher, it certainly seems to be a hopeful sign. Herod might have been present that day Christ was baptized. Was there ever a man lifted so near to heaven as Herod must have been if he were present on that occasion? I can see John surrounded by a great throng of people who are hanging on his words. The eyes of the preacher that never flinched before suddenly began to look strange. He turned pale and seemed to draw back as though something wonderful had happened, and right in the middle of a sentence he ceased to speak. If I were suddenly to grow pale and stop speaking, you would ask, Has death crept onto the platform? Is the tongue of the speaker paralyzed? There must have been quite a commotion among the audience when John stopped. The eyes of the Baptist were fixed upon a stranger who pushed his way through the crowd. That stranger came up to the preacher and requested to be baptized. That was a common occurrence. It had happened day after day for weeks past. John listened to the stranger's words, but instead of going at once to the Jordan to baptize him, he said, I have need to be baptized of thee. Matthew chapter 3, verse 14. What a thrill of excitement must have shot through the audience. I can hear someone whispering to another, I believe that is the Messiah. Yes, it was the long-looked-for one, for whose appearing the nation had been waiting thousands of years. From the time God had made the promise to Adam back in Eden, every true Israelite had been looking for the Messiah, and there he was in their midst. He insisted that John should baptize him, and the forerunner recognized his authority as master, took him to the Jordan River, and baptized him. As Jesus came up from the water, the heavens opened, and the Spirit of God in the form of a dove descended and rested on him. Matthew chapter 3, verse 16. When Noah sent forth the dove from the ark, it could find no resting place. But now the Son of God had come to do the will of God, and the dove found its resting place upon him. The Holy Spirit had found a home. God broke the silence of four thousand years. There came a voice from heaven, and Herod may have heard it if he was there that day. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Matthew chapter 3, verse 17. Even if Herod had not witnessed this scene and heard the voice, he must have heard about it, for the thing was not done in a corner. There were thousands to witness it, and the news must have been taken to every corner of the land. Yet Herod, living in such times and hearing such a preacher, missed the kingdom of heaven in the end. He did many things because he feared John. Had he feared God, he would have done everything. 
He did many things, but there was one thing he would not do. He would not give up one treasured sin. The longer I preach, the more I am convinced that this is what keeps people out of the kingdom of God. John knew about Herod's private life and warned him in plain words. If those compromising Christians of whom I have spoken had been near John, one of them would have said, Look here, John, we hear that Herod is very anxious about his soul and is asking what he must do to be saved. Let me give you some advice. Don't mention Herod's secret sin. He is living with his brother's wife, but don't say anything about it, for he won't put up with that. He has the whole Roman government behind him, and if you allude to that matter, it will be more than your life is worth. You have a good chance with Herod now. He is afraid of you. Only be careful and don't go too far or he will have your head cut off. Some people are willing for you to preach about the sins of others, as long as you don't mention their own sins. My wife was once teaching my little boy a Sunday school lesson. She told him to notice how sin grows until it becomes a habit. The little fellow thought it was coming too close to him, so he turned red and finally said, Mama, I think you are getting a good way from the subject. John was a preacher of this uncompromising kind, for he drove the message right home. I do not know when or how the two were brought together at that time, but John kept nothing back. He boldly told Herod, It is not lawful for thee to have thy brother's wife. Mark chapter 6 verse 18. The man was breaking the law of God and living in the cursed sin of adultery. Thank God John did not spare him. It cost the preacher his head, but the Lord had his heart, and he did not care what became of his head. We read that Herod feared John, but John did not fear Herod. I do not know of a quicker way to hell than by the way of adultery. Let no one think that he is going into the kingdom of God who does not repent of this sin in sackcloth and ashes. My friend, do you think God will not bring you into judgment? Doesn't the Bible say that no adulterer shall inherit the kingdom of God? Scripture, Know ye not that the unjust shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not err. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verses 9 through 10. Do you think John the Baptist would have been a true friend of Herod if he had spared him and covered up his sin? Was it not a true sign that John loved him when he warned him and told him he must quit his sin? Herod had done many things before and heard John gladly, but he did not like him when John mentioned his sin. It is one thing to hear a man preach down other people's sins. People will say, that was a great sermon, and they will want all their friends to go hear the preacher. But let that preacher deal with their own individual sin as John did. Let him declare as Nathan did to David, Thou art the man, 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 7, and they will say, I don't like that. The preacher has touched a sore spot. When a man has broken his arm, the surgeon must determine the exact spot of the fracture. He feels along and presses gently with his fingers. Is it there? No. Is it there? No. Then the surgeon touches another spot. Ouch, says the man. The doctor has found the broken part, and it hurts. John placed his finger on the fractured spot, and Herod winced under the pain. 
John put his hand right on it and said to Herod, It is not lawful for thee to have thy brother Philip's wife. Herod did not want to give up his sin. Many people would be willing to enter into the kingdom of God if they could do it without giving up sin. People sometimes wonder why Jesus Christ, who lived 600 years before Muhammad, has fewer disciples than Muhammad today. The explanation is not difficult. A man may become a disciple of Muhammad and continue to live in the foulest, darkest, deepest sin. But no one can be a disciple of Christ without giving up sin. If you are trying to make yourself believe that you can get into the kingdom of God without renouncing your sin, may God tear the mask from you. Can Satan persuade you that Herod will be found in the kingdom of God along with John the Baptist with the sins of adultery and murder on his soul? Now let me say this. If your minister comes to you, tells you plainly of your sin, and warns you faithfully, thank God for him. He is your best friend. He is a heaven-sent man. But if a minister speaks smooth, oily words to you, tells you it is all right when you know, and he knows that it is all wrong that we are living in sin, you may be sure that he is a devil-sent man. I want to say I have contempt for a preacher who will tone down his message to suit someone in his audience, some senator or other important person. If the devil can get possession of such a minister and speak through him, that preacher will do the devil's work better than the devil himself. You might be horrified if you knew Satan was deceiving you, but if a professed minister of Jesus Christ preaches this doctrine and says that God will make it all right in the end even though you go on living in sin, it is just the same. Don't be deluded into believing such doctrine. It is as false as any lie that ever came from the pit of hell. All the pastors and ministers of all the churches cannot save one soul that will not part with sin. There is an old saying that every man has his price. Esau sold his birthright for a mess of pottage. Pretty cheap, was it not? Genesis chapter 25 verses 30 through 34. Ahab sold out for a garden of herbs, 1 Kings chapter 21 verses 1 through 16. Judas sold out for 30 pieces of silver, less than $17 of our money. Matthew chapter 26 verses 14 through 15. Pretty cheap, was it not? Herod sold out for adultery. What is the price that we might put on our soul? You say you do not know. I will tell you. It is the sin that keeps you from God. It might be alcohol. Many people will give up the hope of heaven and sell their souls for alcohol. It may be immorality. Some say, Give me the harlot and I will relinquish heaven with all its glories. I would rather be damned with my sin than saved without it. What are you selling out for, my friend? You know what it is. Wouldn't it have been a thousand times better for Herod today if he had taken the advice of John the Baptist instead of listening to that vile, adulterous woman? Herodias was pulling one way, John the other, and Herod was in the middle. It's the same old battle between right and wrong. Heaven pulls one way, hell the other. Are you going to make the same mistake yourself? We have ten thousand times more light than Herod had. He lived on the other side of the cross. The glorious gospel had not shone out as it has done since then. Think of the sermons you have heard and the entreaties addressed to you to become a Christian. Some of you have had godly mothers who have prayed for you. 
Many of you have godly wives who have pleaded with you and with God on your behalf. You have been surrounded with holy influences year after year, how often you have been near the kingdom of God. Yet here you are today, further off than ever. It may be true of you, as it was of Herod, that you hear your preacher gladly. You attend church, contribute generously, and do many things. Remember that none of these activities will cleanse your soul from sin. They will not be accepted in place of what God demands, repentance and the forsaking of every sin. A child was once playing with a vase, and he put his hand in, but could not pull it out again. His father tried to help him, but in vain. At last he said, Now try once more. Open your fingers out straight and let me pull your arm. Oh no, Papa, said the son, I'd drop the penny if I opened my fingers like that. Of course he couldn't get his hand out when his fist was closed, but he didn't want to give up the penny. It is the same with the sinner. He won't give up his sins to be free. Your path and mine will perhaps never cross again, but if I have any influence with you, I urge you and plead with you to leave your sin now, whatever it might cost you. Herod might have been associated with Joseph of Arimathea and with the twelve apostles of the Lamb if he had taken the advice of John. There might have been a fragrance around his name all these centuries. But, alas, when we speak of Herod, we see a sneer on the faces of those who hear us. If one had asked Herod in those days, Do you know that you are going to silence that great preacher and have him beheaded? He would have replied, Is your servant a dog that he should do such a thing? I never would take the life of such a man. See 2 Kings chapter 8, verse 13. He would probably have thought he could never do it. Yet, only a little later, he had the servant of God beheaded. Do you know that the gospel of Jesus Christ proves to be either the savor of life unto life or of death unto death? 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16. Sometimes we hear people say, We will go and hear this man preach. If it does us no good, it will do us no harm. Don't you believe it, my friend? Every time you hear the gospel and reject it, the hardening process goes on. The same sun that melts the ice hardens the clay. The sermon that would have moved you a few years ago would make no impression now. Don't you remember a night when you heard a sermon that shook the foundations of your skepticism and unbelief? But now you are indifferent. I believe Herod was seven times more a child of hell after his conviction had passed away than he was before. No true minister of the gospel will say that the hardest people to reach are those who have not been under conviction, but those whose conviction has worn away. It is much easier to commit a sin the second time than it was to commit it the first time, but it is much harder to repent the second time than the first. If you are near the kingdom of God now, take the advice of a friend and step on into it. Don't be satisfied with just getting near. Jesus said to the young ruler, Thou art not far from the kingdom of God, but he failed to get there. Mark chapter 12, verse 34. Don't run any risks. If you put off a decision, death may overtake you before you have time to carry out your best intentions. It is sad to think that people heard Jesus and Paul and were moved under their preaching, but were not saved. Judas must have come near the kingdom many times, but he never entered in. I saw it in the army.
men who had almost decided to become Christians, cut down in battle without having taken the step that would have made them sure of eternal life. I confess there is something very sad about it. A doctor was sent for from one of the tenement houses in New York City. He came and found a young man very sick. When the doctor approached the bedside, the young man said, Doctor, I don't want you to deceive me. I want to know the worst. Is this illness to prove serious? After the doctor had examined the patient, he said, I am sorry to tell you, but you cannot live out the night. The young man looked up and said, Well then, I have missed it at last. Missed what? I have missed eternal life. I always intended to become a Christian some day, but I thought I had plenty of time, and I put it off. The doctor, who was himself a Christian, said, It is not too late. Call on God for mercy. No, said the dying man. I have always had great contempt for someone who repents when he is dying. He is a miserable coward. If I were not sick, I would not have a thought about my soul, and I am not going to insult God now. The doctor spent the day with him, read to him out of the Bible, and tried to get him to lay hold of the promises. The young man said he would not call on God, and in that state of mind he passed away. Just as he was dying, the doctor saw his lips moving. He bent down, and all he could hear was the faint whisper, I have missed it at last. Dear friend, make sure that you do not miss eternal life at last. Will you go with Herod or with John? Bow your head now and say, Son of God, come into this heart of mine. I yield myself to thee, fully, wholly, and unreservedly. He will come to you, and he will not only save you, but he will keep you to the end.